everybody and welcome to another edition of the Globe Podcast brought to you by World Football Index. Tonight we're going to take a little bit of a look and a bit, have a little conversation around my home country, uh, Northern Ireland, who this week provided us with some heroics and have secured second place in the uh, qualifying group for the World Cup in Russia. Uh, obviously there's, there's a few more bits and pieces that, to, to be added to it, we'll do that uh, throughout the pod, but I'm joined by... Uh, Two very, uh, two more very proud Ulstermen in the form of, uh, well, I feel a bit like Jack Charlton here because uh, I'm bringing an English Ulsterman on in the form of Ben Roberts. <laughs> ben, some, somewhat of uh, a regular on, on WFI in recent times. Very welcome back. How are you? I'm all right. Thanks. Yeah, part of the furniture now. Indeed, you are definitely a regular. And another one that uh, maybe listeners to our Liverpool podcast be more familiar with is Dave Dunning, uh, who was at Windsor on Monday night. Dave uh, recovered. Yes, just about recovered and then uh, ready to do it all again next month for the for the World Champions coming. Indeed, a big one, a, a massive one and, and one that, you know, bizarrely we are looking forward to with confidence, but we'll, we'll, we'll get into that as we go along. Ben, I, th- I think I basically want to start out with you here. You know, like Michael O'Neill has been Northern Ireland manager for, for, for the last four years and, and the turnaround in the national team. Uh, is seismic. You know, we were plumbing the depths of the world rankings. We couldn't score a goal. Uh, we couldn't score a goal for love nor money. And, you know, at the moment, this side, and there's no real big household names in the middle of it. They're real good, honest, gritty pros in a team system that really, really suits their, you know, suits the players and suits what we are. You know, we're looking at stats in a minute. Five wins in a row, the first time ever. You know, only two goals conceded in, a, in, a, in the World Cup qualifying groups, and both of those to world champions, Germany. One defeat in the entire World Cup qualifying campaign, again to the world champions. Seven clean sheets in eight games. Twelve unanswered goals. McGovern did nothing for the last two games and hasn't conceded a goal in over ten hours. You know, we've got second place confirmed. We've got two games to spare. We haven't conceded a home goal since October 2015. And it's it, we're in dreamland here. This is unprecedented. You know, I, I've been through the '86, I've been through the '82, which were magnificent times for Northern Ireland. You know, we're just off the back of a Euros. This is this is unprecedented. You know, obviously with your knowing of the history of it and everything, there's no time in your in your book that would you would ever have covered anything quite like this. No, absolutely not. He's done it again. You know, there was a, a an unfair perception, perhaps, given that our Euro qualifying group was not easy. Um, by any stretch of the imagination, but this sort of perception built up over the last year or so that somehow we'd fluked that and, you know, it was all going to come tumbling down. Um, and, and it hasn't. And he's proved that that wasn't a fluke. And, you know, you were quite right to say that his first couple of years of Michael O'Neill um, were, were not, uh, you know, it wasn't looking good. Um, most people were questioning why he was given um, another contract and, and was he the person to to turn around the, the um, sort of the depths that Northern Ireland had slumped to. Um, you know, for his first few games in charge, I think the first game was lost 6-0 to the Dutch um, and then um, there was a 3-0 loss after that. Um, and, and it took a while for, for him to turn things around. But uh, I think he's he's shown that having faith in someone and actually in, in a nation that isn't England, basically, where you can have faith in someone, you don't have to sack somebody after three games um, and it pays off. 
Um, and and you're quite right to say, that, you know, there has been times in the past, um, the the sort of 1958s um, with Peter Peter Doherty, um, where where Northern Ireland qualified for for a World Cup and, and a World Cup that didn't have as many teams going as go today, the the side weren't able to to follow that up um, the next time around. And then yes, you had the the, the World Cups in in 82 and 86, but but not qualifying for that that Euros in between. So it really would seem, you know, especially with the rankings coming out today, and it looks like Northern Ireland are going to break the the top twenty in the FIFA rankings. And yeah, you know, you can look at to them. Put and that say, into well, perspective, Ben, as well. I think Dave may will correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we were at our lowest, 140th in the world. Whenever when when Michael O'Neill took over, or in and around that, anyway, this is seismic. Yeah, it is. Uh, I think it was like 129, 130th, or something. So it's, um, uh, I mean, it's it's huge. There's no getting around it, and there's no there's no overstating it. Um, it's the best Northern Ireland have probably ever been um, in in a much more competitive time than than there's ever been for you know with so many nations competing. You know the sort of two hundred odd nations trying to qualify for the World Cup. Well, when Northern Ireland went to the World Cup in '58 there was, I think, only 53 nations that actually went into the qualifying. So that's not 53 nations from Europe, which there are now. That was 53 nations total. Um, so, you know, it was no small thing to qualify in 58. Um, but but it's, um, it's a much bigger job these days. No, and I'll, I'll swing across to Dave as well. You know, like Dave, there's, you know, Ben cites the the, the best period in, in, in the history of Northern. Certainly, in, in my living memory, it certainly is, but by, by by no stretch of the imagination. But you know, you, you've been like the season ticket holder there the whole way through. There's the whole way through the Euros. Talk us through what what's changed. You know, you you you've experienced the whole thing firsthand at these games. What what has happened there? Well, if you think the the 2014 World Cup qualifying came. Our campaign was was nothing short of a disaster. A three-two defeat to Luxembourg, you know, was an all-time low. A two-nil away defeat to Azerbaijan after that, um, and then you know a, a, a credible draw away to Israel. But we finished a point better off than bottom team Luxembourg in that group. And the turnaround since then has been absolutely incredible. And at the Euros. There was lots of conversation around the extension and the the increase of the the nations that were there, and and Northern Ireland were thrown into that conversation. That you know would would we be there? Have ha, had the the tournament been increased? But people, for some reason, they forget feel to recognize the group. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, people feel to recognize that we won that group. We lost one match in in the entire qualifying campaign. Um, and that was a way to Romania, who who came second in the group. You know, it it still seems that we continue to go unnoticed. Now, I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing. Certainly, from a fan's perspective and a, a pride perspective, it's frustrating. But I think it kind of suits us, and people are starting to recognise it now. The the scary thing is, it's it's become the norm since then. You know, you you rhymed off the stats. Earlier on, you know, we haven't conceded a home goal in in four years to the day today, which is absolutely unbelievable. So, you know, the performances at the Euros, O'Neill's uh, tactics, his 
his ability to change his, his formations and his strategies to, to suit an opposition. And the results have, have been unbelievable. But it's, like I said, it's become the norm, which is it's a really strange it's a really strange well, feeling as a Northern yeah, Ireland you, fan. You know, we've, all, we've, all, we've all followed the national team for years. And getting into this position of confidence, generally, that's not a good thing for us because, you know, ultimately, and we saw it against San Marino in, in, uh, at the end of last week. You know, when we come against, up against Minos, we struggle. We need to be the underdogs. And, you know, while the majority of the case, that would be true. You know, we showed again that, that, that if we do come off the rails, it's more than likely going to be against a minnow. That would have been true in the past. But, you know, we've, we scored seven goals without reply against Sam Marino over, over two matches. And you're right, we had, to, we had to wait a long time to get that opening goal on Friday night. But it came, and then another one came, and then another one came. And in the past, that first goal wouldn't have come, never mind the second or the third. So that's the difference, and that, that speaks volumes of the confidence in the squad and the confidence in their manager's tactics and the unity there that they don't need to panic. They know they're doing the right things on the pitch and they know that if they do do the right things and, and follow the manager's instructions that the results will come. And that's proven to be proven to be right so far. So they've got no reason to. So it just it smacks of uh, harmony Everyone trusts what everyone else is, what everyone else is doing, what everyone else is telling them, and that I think is is the key here to the success because we don't have huge stars. You know, you've got you know these are three guys at the back playing at West Brom, Brunt, Evans, and McCauley, and I think the fact that they're they're all working under Pulis has done us no harm at all from a None defensive whatsoever. perspective. <laughs> It's, it's actually where I wanted to go, Dave, you know, because like, you know, we talk about the success that we're having at the minute and it's, and it's the foundation stone of this is just a solid, you know, it's what we complain about in these pods that defense in this day and age is gone. Northern Ireland at the minute and the stats back it up. This is factual are the best defensive side in the world. And that is incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the goalkeepers come in for a lot of praise recently too, and rightly so for his performances for the country. So he's also helped. And then, you know, you have the, the likes of Conor McLaughlin there, who is not the most talented of footballers, but understands his role, understands the job he's supposed to do, is able to work in line with, with the rest of the defence. Um, and you've also got Craig Cathcart, who is a, who is a Premier League footballer. So there's there's if there's quality anywhere, there's quality at the back. Um, but one player who I think, I personally think has, has been head and shoulders above anybody else on the pitch, both sides included in, in almost every match I've watched so far, is Stephen Davis. Um, he is a hugely underrated footballer, in my opinion. Um, he's not the captain of Southampton and the captain of his national team for, for no reason. That one player, I think, makes the difference at the other end of the pitch. As good as we are at the back and how much quality we have there, Stephen Davis is arguably the most important player on that side. No, without a doubt. And Ben, yourself, you know, we, we talked about the defence there, but but we're, we're exceedingly good at set pieces as well. You know, with the foundation stone built then of, of that defence, if you give us a sniff of a free kick or a corner, we're causing you all kinds of problems, and it doesn't matter who you are. Yeah, that's a West Brom thing as well. 
so we've got West Brom to thank for the defence. But um, I think West Brom last season had the the best or second best record from set piece. They scored something like 17 goals last season from set pieces. Um, and having having somebody like uh, Brunt in there to to strike them, who's who's uh, you know learned learned so much at a team like West Brom, um, you know it's it certainly doesn't do us any harm. And uh, as a team, uh, as we sort of reflected on minutes ago, who are often better um, when when the game is being taken to us rather than us having to take the game to somebody else. You know, we won that game. On, on Monday with I think 38% possession um, so it, it's all about the, the counter attacks and taking advantage of the, the set pieces um, and and really that, that there's, discipline There's a lot of experience and, in there as well you know, you talk about the Stephen Davises, you talk about the Johnny Evans, you know there's a lot of experienced players wily players who, who are capable of getting those free kicks in, in the right areas and so on there, there's a real game plan with it and it really works yeah, absolutely does. Yeah, um, and and just but I think players knowing their roles, um, knowing um, that they're that they're not uh, necessarily um, stars for club or country, but being able to work together. You know, I think one of the the reflections that I've had over the last few days is that the the England team so often looks like players trying to make a name for themselves and to individually play well in that game uh you know kind of get a good write-up in the papers for themselves after that game um whereas the northern ireland team um is a team that is not going out there for for sort of individual glory um but but looking to to get a good write-up for the whole team no and i think it comes back you know certainly the the situation around the northern ireland camp with them and it goes right the way down through the youth system and it's basically called club ni which you know they're basically running it, trying to run it like a club, um, and and it's, they've been at this for about three or four years now, and it just it brings this whole group of players closer together. And certainly Michael O'Neill's philosophy seems to be, you know, each of these players is an equal part. Uh, no, there's no egos. I don't think there's any egos. Not that I imagine there would be within that squad. I don't know. It's got it's got Kyle Lafferty in there. Oh, well, Kyle Lafferty's Kyle Lafferty. We can't we can't get away from that. We just we'll take it as what it is. He he scores goals. Don't don't knock it. But you know the experience of, of going to that Euros, Dave. And and you know you are completely correct. There's a lot of people who said to me expected us to have got there by the skin of our teeth, and we, and we were there on merit. We won that group, um, you know, by right. But how much do you think the experience of going there has has given the players? extra incentive, extra hunger in this campaign for the World Cup to go there too? Huge. I think it's huge. And I think if you look at our results over over this qualifying campaign compared to last, I think, you know, if anything, we've got better, which is crazy to think. What you have there is, is again, that, as you said, that huge experience from, from the tournament, both in, in a group scenario and, and a knockout scenario. But what you also have, um, which I wanted to mention earlier on, is... You've got players there who might not be the most talented, but they will run themselves into the ground for their country. The likes of Corey Evans, the likes of um, Jamie Ward, who I've never seen anybody with so much energy in the pitch, never mind the Northern squad. Um, but again, give anything that he's um, with with regards to working hard, regards to doing his defensive duties, keeping, keeping his position, helping his team keep the shape. 
And then you're right, the experience, you know, you feel to mention Aaron Hughes, um, who's, you know, I don't think anybody's got more experience than Aaron Hughes. Um, 20 years ago, he had his first call-up to the squad. So he's seen it down um, and he's somehow able to still perform at that level. And he was absolutely outstanding on Monday night. Evans got the got the headlines and, and rightly so for his goal and his excellent performance. Um, but Aaron Hughes somewhat went unnoticed. Unbelievable performance of discipline and experience. And I think Evans mentioned it after the game, how how Aaron Hughes was his man of the match. And he was shouting at him at the end of the game to, to get out and keep the line and keep the shape. So, you know, that's just players knowing exactly what their roles are, knowing when to do the right thing, trusting in the tactics that they've been given to carry out and doing it to absolute perfection. No, and you know, I was I listened to the commentary actually on Radio Ulster here. Um, you know, I was stream on and Radio Ulster on as well. And you know, it, it was a point that sort of stuck with me that they made. You know, and it's a, it's a very South American thing that uh, you know Northern Ireland players they they seem to give another ten twenty percent for their country that they don't ever seem to give for their club. And, and as I say, that's a very South American trait. It means so much down here. But we have that mentality in now, you know. And and you mentioned Conor McLaughlin, who's who's a player who doesn't play at the highest level, but for Northern Ireland, he looks like a world beater, Dave. Yeah, he's been brilliant. He's been absolutely brilliant, and he doesn't look out of place in that side, especially with the especially with the players that he's he's particularly playing beside. You know, there's there's countless others. There's there's countless others that that step in there, and you know. Connor Washington's been a been a revelation with the the, the pace and the energy and, and the movement up front that we we haven't necessarily had before. So he's turned into a fantastic option. And Lafferty Lafferty will give you goals and and you know you've the likes of Oliver Norwood in there also who is uh, you know I think could probably play at a higher level with the quality that he has on the ball. Um, and he's another great option that we have from set pieces. No, and everything just seems to be falling into place for this team, and every all, all the parts just seem to be working perfectly together. And you know, Ben, next up is Germany, and as I say, it, it's, it's, it's completely crazy for me to say this. It's like bring it on! I have no fear. It's like you know, well, if they beat us, they'll have they'll, they'll have to work doubly hard to beat us. And I just, I at this moment in time, and it's ridiculous. This is the world champions we're talking about. I can't see them winning at Windsor. Yeah, um, I mean, uh, as we touched upon, um, not conceded at, at Windsor for uh, two years and not lost there for four years. Um, so Germ- Germany won't be coming into the match thinking that they're just going to roll us over. Um, you know, I, I, I well think we could get a nil-nil or a one-all out of that game. Um, you never know, might even make another uh, another famous night in Belfast and uh, well we have previous against them I, I I was there in 83 whenever whenever we beat them 1-0 we actually beat them home and away 1-0 at that time and I believe the were world champions no the, no they wouldn't have been it was Italy were world champions at the time but again a very very strong German side and it's it almost feels to me like back to there there's there's no fear and it even feels better and sorry Dave it's it's not even in the, dis- the too distant memory that you know we beat England 1-0 and um, we beat Spain 3-2 at Windsor Park. So, you know, this type of thing wouldn't be unprecedented. 
No, no, it's it's there, and and you know all those major countries that you talk about have have taken some kind of a knock at Windsor over the years, and uh, you know through through my lifetime in the last fifty years, let's say, you know it's it's not uncommon for a team to come unstuck there. But Dave, you know, obviously, like you know, you go to these games. I cannot imagine the excitement that that you have for for the fifth of October and the visit of Germany, because that is going to be one bonkers night. It's really exciting. It's 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 going to be it's going to be a real. A, a real carnival, I think. Um, there was a little bit of nervousness going into the match on Monday because we had something to lose. I don't think we've got anything to lose against the Germans. And we know we're not going to get ruled over the way Norway got ruled over the other night. And we're just not going to give that side, any side, that space in and around the penalty area. How much do you feel, Dave, that, you know, like this is the third time we're playing them nearly in, 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 in well, 18 months anyway, you know, and they beat us 2-0 in Germany, they beat us 1-0 in the Euros. Third time lucky? Well, why not? You know, we, we know what they're about. We know how they play. We've, we've, we've got, we've got a real template to work from there. You know, he's got, he's got two full matches to stick in front of the team when that German team hasn't changed an awful lot. So he's got two full matches to stick in front of the team and, and, Again, you talked about experience earlier on and, and use the experience um, from those two matches to, to make it even more difficult for them. Um, and, you know, as you said, you've, you've, got the, you've got the added benefit of being in your own backyard where the atmosphere will be feral. No, without doubt. And, you know, Ben, sorry, you, were, you were talking there, Ben, when we interrupted you, my apologies. But, you know, going back to Germany again, you know, obviously the experience, as I say, in those last 18 months, they're a team we're familiar with to begin with. And I think that, that it's, I think it's part of the reason why I feel a little bit more optimistic than maybe I should do with the world champions coming to town. I wish I could show optimism uh, that we're, we're going to um, perhaps get a win there. Um, I sort I, of, I'd take uh, a draw all day. Oh, no, never mind. Oh, yeah. I'll take a draw all day. Yeah, I I think um, we've done phenomenally well, and and we could end well end up going to this World Cup, especially with our our ranking um, as it is, meaning that at, at the moment anyway we'd be a seeded team. Um, uh, but uh, I'm always uh, a little bit pessimistic. Even going into the San Marino game, I was thinking this is this is where the wheels are going to fall off. Um, so I'm keeping my uh, my slightly pessimistic hat on. Um, and and just uh, hoping for the best, but you know, there's every reason to to um, go into it um, with from the players' point of view with with a lot of confidence, um, because you know they've they've proved that that they can get these wins, sometimes get these wins quite well, um, as they did uh, the other night against the Czechs. Sometimes it took a bit longer, like it did against San Marino. Uh, just a few days before that. Um, but the difference is that those are the kind of games, the, the Pharaohs, the Azerbaijans, the, um, the San Marinos, the, the Liechtensteins, um, you know, these are all teams um, where Northern Ireland have come unstuck in, in very recent memory, um, you know, within the last decade. Um, and that simply doesn't happen anymore. Um, you know they keep grinding and and keep uh, keep going on and and end up and you know sometimes you have to win ugly. We do it well. <laughs> we 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 do that very well. But you know, Dave, in recent times, I can't think of a bigger game coming in here. You, you know, like this is this is going to the World Cup. You know, our our adventure at the Euros was magnificent. It, it truly was fantastic. It was fantastic to be back home again during that tournament, and whatnot, and the the atmosphere about the place was awesome. But you know, this is the World Cup. This is this is this is bigger again, and, and we have a little bit more history, and we have a little bit more sort of form for the World Cup. 
you know, I, I, I just, I just want us there. I, I just, uh, you know, there's, there's a number of permutations that can, could still mean that we don't qualify, but I don't, uh, you know, for, for the playoffs, I don't believe for one second that that will be the case. Given, you know, we're, we're sitting second in that group of second place teams. Um, our world ranking is improving game on game. Um, you know, as I say, we, we could be up into the top 20 by that time, uh, the time of reckoning basically for those games. Surely we we look in fairly good shape. You know, there's some big teams in in, in the second group of, of teams. Don't get me wrong, but none of them, not one of them. And I don't care whether you're Italy, and I don't care whether you're the Netherlands, I don't care whether you're Spain. You don't want to come to Windsor. Yeah, I think first of all, the reality is we may still need another point. We could qualify with what we've got, but the likelihood is we're going to need something or something more. One more point should probably be enough. So against a, against a deflated Norway side, you would on our form at the minute, Dave. Though you, you'd fancy even away getting something out of that, even getting the point, you know. And, and I'm not giving up three points to Germany at this. Stage. I, I, my head cannot, and, and that is rare for me to be that sort of, uh, you know, to have that type of confidence. But I, I just don't give the three points to Germany at this stage. Yeah, um, I think it would be better to get it sooner rather than later. I think there's every incentive to go into this match and get a result. And, and not just for the point that we need, but also for the for the ranking, which will determine who plays who in the playoffs. Um, so you know, if if we if and something unbelievable could happen, which unbelievable things seem to have been happening pretty regularly recently, um, we can somehow get a point against the Germans and somehow go away to Norway and get three points. That could be all the difference. That could be number one seeding. To be fair, Dave, if, if another four points on top of what we've got. I, I think you're looking at certainly one or two in the seedings. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, it could end up with Italy being one of those others. And I don't think we're going to get seeded above Italy. Um, but but just being seeded at all um, is, is... Avoiding Italy is a, is a major one there. We, we don't have a very good... That's one team. I think we've only beaten the once. Um, and, and, you know, like they are probably the worst team that we could come up against, um, given their sort of defensive strength as well. Well, this is it. And... For anyone who doesn't know, the the of the second place teams, the worst number of points, the team with the worst number of points after the bottom place team in their group, points and goals are removed, is eliminated from the playoffs. I hope that made sense because it took me four or five times reading it to actually understand it. But it's a scenario at this moment in time, Dave, that the chances of that being us are remote distinctly remote yes remote but not not impossible yeah. <laughs> not impossible so another point would be great the the point on the seedings is that the top four teams with the highest world ranking will play the other four teams in whatever order so you know the likelihood is you're going to meet italy or sweden potentially or portugal potentially if you're one of the bottom four teams so as I say, this is not just about getting second place. We've already got second place. And you think second place, happy days, we're there. We're not. There's still another point to get to secure You're one of those best placed teams. And there's still points to be won to determine your seating at the end of the at the end of the qualifying. See what sort of team you play in the playoffs. So, you know, this isn't just a token, let's go, fingers crossed, we get a result. Wouldn't this be great? And wouldn't it be a lovely time for everybody type of situation? Do you for one second there, believe that that attitude exists within that camp, Dave? I would say they are they they are 
bang to get at it. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I have, I have every confidence the team is 100% up for this. I'm probably left or probably left that um, international camp, which is so different than most other players. Going back to the club side, thinking to themselves, I can't wait to get back there again. Whereas I would suggest that most players who are playing international football would think to themselves, we'll get this over with and then I'll get back and we'll get playing in the Premier League or Champions League football or whatever it is and things like that. There's that eagerness and that determination um, and that desire to do that. But I just wanted to emphasise the point that this is still very, very important. No matter how well things have gone so far, there is still so much to be gained from just two remaining games. Um, and it, that those two remaining games could be the difference. No, indeed. And, you know, we, we've talked a little bit about Michael O'Neill, but Ben, I would, I would like to talk a wee bit more about him. This guy is unbelievable. How have we managed to hold on to him? Again, again a best-kept secret. You know, you, you imagine, you know, mid, mid-table clubs like English Premier League or even Spain, you know, wanting to tap into what this guy brings. And he's the most calm, humble, laid-back guy. You know, he's certainly not the epitome of a football manager or, or what, what a football manager looks like, in my view. This guy is so laid-back. Like, he's just, nothing seems to fluster him and he has everything under control. Like, the work that he's done there is exemplary. Yeah, I, I love the guy. I wish they could time down to sort of fifty-year contract till he's about ninety-five. Um, I think he probably um, was approached by Norwich when they were looking for a manager um, earlier this year. Um, I think, from what I read, he turned them down um, on the basis that he wanted to see this through. Um, and and see if he could take the side to the World Cup. Um, and he may have looked at what happened to predecessors of his as as manager. You know, Laurie Sanchez a decade or so ago, leaving um, during the the qualifying campaign for the uh, uh, two thousand and six eight tournament, and then uh, getting sacked by Fulham about five months later. So, you know, he probably could have gone to somebody like Norwich, probably could have gone to Hearts. Um, but I think he he realised that he's onto a good thing. Um, and um, whatever happens in, in the next four games, two games, four games, you know, he's going to be able or or, you know, <laughs> let's let's be optimistic and, and say after the World Cup, let's say after the World Cup. Whatever happens, um, he's he's gonna um, get some some good job offers, um, and uh, and uh, you know he probably thought better to go into a job uh, next next summer or or the summer after, um, having you know gone as far as he can with Northern Ireland, taking them somewhere rather than you know slipping out halfway through a qualifying campaign, and you know in all likelihood getting taken on by a Premiership side, Premier League side who probably would be struggling almost whoever they brought in and then probably getting sacked after four or five months uh, because that's the nature of, of the Premier League. Yeah, I think he's, he's just probably looked at it and, and thought, you know, I, 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 I'm on to a good thing here. Let's, let's keep that going and then I can assess my options. 
And Dave, Michael O'Neill, for you, you know, it's, it's it's just sensational. You can hardly put it into words. Like, you know, I'll say we were languishing down 120, 130th, uh, at the top 20. Like, it, it's dreamland. Yeah, he's, he's been doing this for, for longer than, than people think as well and getting teams to perform above their above their ability. Um, you know, if you look at what he did with Shamrock Rovers, um, mm. you know, two league titles and and qualification for for the Europa the uh, Euro, Europa <laughs> the Europa near Europe anywhere no <laughs> what do you call that competition uh, the, the Europa, Europa League, Europa League. <laughs> yes sorry that one the Euro, qualifying for the Europa League group stages and not being too far away from from qualifying through to the knockout stages there and there was a point um, where he was I think they were away to a Russian side and a result there might have um, might have seen them through or given them a chance anyway. So, you know, he's got a track record. There's no doubt about it. He, he wasn't picked for the national job for no reason. And like I say, this this has been going on now for two qualifying campaigns and, and what he did with Shamrock Rovers as well. And I'm very surprised that the teams haven't looked at him. You know, you mentioned Norwich and you mentioned Hearts, but with all due respect... I don't think that to his level, I genuinely don't. I think he could certainly manage a Premier League side successfully. But Ben, you're absolutely right in what you're saying. Um, the nature of the Premier League is such that um, a couple of bad months um, of results and you can be out in your ear and all of a sudden you're on the scrap heap or you have to start all over again. So that maybe played into his thinking. Do, do you see him staying on beyond the World Cup? Do you think it, you know it's beneficial to everyone if he do, does stay on, or is it better maybe he he stands down after this campaign and leaves on that? Like, no, nobody will ever look. There's there's Billy Bingham who took us to two World Cups in eighty two and eighty six. What Michael O'Neill is potentially doing here, in my opinion, eclipses that because the the world of football back in eighty two and eighty six is a very different place to what we find today, and the achievement today. Is is it's, it's it's other universe. Well, it's beneficial to us if he stays on. There's no doubt about that. I, I think the way that he might look at it is he's got uh, you know Johnny Evans there. He's got Garth McCauley, who's I think 37 or 38. He's got Aaron Hughes, who's about 62. Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, You know, you've you've Chris Brunt there, who's who's. I think 34, um, certainly approaching his mid 30s, and Steve Davis is in his 30s as well. And you know, those are the guys. Those are the guys that make the difference. Um, and we don't have, uh, we don't have another crop of players that, that are following following that lot up at the moment. So um, I'm sure that that will will bear on his mind when making a decision as to what he does after after the World Cup. If we get there, um, or after this campaign, if he does have a decision to make, which I'm sure that he will, but I think at this point in time we just have to enjoy this for what it is, because you know it's the old saying: football goes in cycles, and and I think our cycle is is about to to reach reach its peak now. Um, so after this, there's only one way that we can go, unfortunately. Um, so I think it's just a case of buckle your seatbelts and enjoy the ride and, and whatever happens afterwards, all the best to every party involved because they gave us 
one of the best times of our lives. Well, as I say, I'm lucky enough to have remembered the two before, and you know, also Euro Euro sixteen. And to be honest with you, if you'd have told me four or five years ago that we'd be talking here in this podcast about the possible Northern Ireland at the, at the World Cup. I believed that I would never, ever see it again, Ben. I believed in my lifetime that I was lucky enough to see two, and that was going to be me lot. I couldn't see Northern Ireland ever sort of being in that frame even. And and yet, here we are. Yeah, I think, you know, if you look at the population size and demographics and, you know, the, the books that come out in the last few years, the sort of... Uh, um, the soconomics type books and they're saying you know these these much bigger nations they're they're going to be ruling the roost and to be fair they probably are in the next 20 30 years and you know it'll be you know even england will be <laughs> struggling to qualify for things because these these huge nations uh, with huge populations china the chinas of, of this world the sort of <sighs> indias uh, it'll be um become major powers um but but really this this nation of of 1.9 million people and it's worth saying as well ben who can only draw northern ireland can only draw on basically 50 percent of the community there's a very much a a a split in northern ireland as to allegiance between the the republic of ireland and northern ireland and when you take that and bring that into focus it, it it just doubles the magnitude of the whole thing I mean, it does. Yeah, yeah. You've got you've got a few players from from the nationalist community, the sort of McGinns and and whatnot. But you've got a lot of players that that were born. Uh, I'll be very careful how I say this within the political borders of Northern Ireland, who have chosen as is their right to to play for the Republic of Ireland. So you're quite right that that you know they face a a, a little bit of a challenge there there's even been a couple of players in Aston Villa's youth set up and Arsenal's youth set up who came through the sort of Northern Ireland under 14 15 16 ranks who at the age of 17 have have declared for the Republic of Ireland something which Michael O'Neill himself uh, described as morally poor not their actions per se but the actions of uh, the Football Association of Ireland in in kind of courting those players um you know ultimately it's those players decision and and we probably shouldn't dwell too long on that um but but yeah there are there are some challenges that are unique to that part of the world um in in who can be called up and and who's willing to accept a call up no indeed and you know dave obviously there what was the mood on on Monday night? You know, obviously with the Germany game, obviously a bit of chat. We've got some sound clips that we're, we're going to add in towards the end of this podcast. You know, just some of the reaction from from the game that night. But from the people you spoke to, I take it it's, it's, it's bring Germany on, get them on now. Um, yeah, it was. Um, it, everybody was in, in top form. Um, I think one of the sound clips that you have is is uh, the the crowd singing. Um, we're going to win the group. The Germans don't believe us. So everyone's everyone's in great form. Everybody's confident. Everybody's having the best time. I think it's worth pointing out, you know, it wasn't too long ago that Windsor Park wasn't a particularly nice place to go with um, various um, chanting and songs that, that were deemed unnecessary. And I would say, regardless of which side of the community you came from, it wasn't a, a very nice place to go to. Yeah, it was. And in recent years, that's there's been a conscious effort um, by the football association here to 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 make it this way. And 
you know, all credit goes to them to completely turning that around and, and making it a fully inclusive atmosphere for, for everyone to go and be involved in and everybody to go and enjoy. We can't get we can't get there quick enough. And it's just a shame that it is it is going to gonna end so soon and you only get, you know, five matches in the qualifying campaign or six matches in the qualifying campaign. So um, you've got to just enjoy it while it's there. The difference, the you know, the 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 improvements made to the stadium. You know, they've basically rebuilt the whole whole ground for one stand. The facilities, it's all come together at at the right time, and it's all come together as, as one of those perfect storms that we sometimes talk about. Um, and that's just added to the feel-good factor around the place at the minute. Well, listen, I think there's a good point. We might take a, a listen to some of the, some of these clips that Dave brought from the game. Uh, we'll come back again after we listen to them. Scott Haddington here, uh, Five Mile Town, Gawa, all that crack, Leeds fans as well. Right. With Dave Dunn here, hero in some parts, well in others. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, right, Northern Ireland, 2 1, go 1 right. go 0 one down, get the qualifiers, meet Holland, beat them. What's it mean? Get the oh, World mate, Cup? Means everything. Eh? Euros and World Cup back to back, unbelievable, genuinely unbelievable. Cut, cut it, four years ago, couldn't have seen it, but honestly, why not? Said said we're a one-trick pony. This is proving people wrong. I'm at the game here with Dave. It's starting to fill up now. The atmosphere is unbelievable. Plenty of drunk people about. A few bottles of Buckfast have been sneaked in as well, from what I can see here. But uh, it's starting to get rightly. We'll get back to you at half time and see what the score is. Hopefully it's about 3-0 by then. See you later. tonight watching the Green and White Army thought the boys were absolutely fantastic the supporters were even better again um, Johnny Evans why did Guardiola not go in for him absolutely fantastic player uh, from start to finish great goal great goal from Chris Brunt I'm glad he stayed at West Brom it keeps the link there between the two of them it keeps the link even Big McCauley we missed him but not, obviously not too much Huge, huge match tonight for the Green and White Army. One point secure second place. It's not about that, it's about the playoffs. There's an opportunity to get Portugal or France. Get them away first round, get them home to Windsor, the second round, and I'll knock them out the fuck. So, Dave, a young fellow there seems very, very confident at the end of, of no matter who would draw in, in the group, they're going to get knocked out to fuck in true Northern <laughs> Ireland style. And, you know, I must have, I was pissing myself laughing whenever I listen to that there's things at times just make you miss home and that sort of gritty realism 
But there's there's a real belief in there, Dave. Yeah, there's no airs and graces about us, is there? Um, <laughs> no, we, we're as dour as a brick through your window, like. <laughs> indeed, but yeah, there is. There's there's just optimism. There's just excitement, and like I say, just the atmosphere. Um, you know, you can't you can't walk down the town. You know, the afternoon before the match, was like there being green shirts everywhere. Um, up towards the ground, and there's, you know, we saw Czech supporters sitting outside of Witherspoons, um, and that that's all spilled over from from the previous previous tournaments and previous qualifying campaigns and things like that, where everybody's just there to have a good time, and 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 that's all down to the atmosphere and the feel big, feel good factor that the the results have created and the, the crowd participation and inclusion has created. So it's just a great, it's just a great time to be involved in this, in this type of thing. And no doubt we'll hit the bottom again at some point down the line. And we just, we'll be lucky enough at that point to think back and, and say to ourselves, well, but not we too have soon, that. Do you remember we're, we're, that? We've a few legs left on us yet. We no, we absolutely do. We absolutely do. I'm just kind of thinking to myself, two years after this, where will we be? Because it's it's been it's been a hugely dramatic and emotional um, three four years, and and as I say, we're we're about to potentially reach the absolute peak of it. The playoffs are literally within touching distance, and you know if everybody's already thinking if you if you get a decent a decent result away from home um with the defensive record that we have and get any team whoever they may be back to Windsor Park we could stand the chance of of being involved in in a world cup which would just be the most incredible thing considering everything that we've just talked about no, and absolutely, and, and what's more, you know, if there was a decline after that, the high that this particular world cup would bring Ben you know, and, and certainly at the moment, like, you know, Dave and I ha- had, a, had a conversation last night around this. And, you know, politically at the minute, Northern Ireland kind of needs this. There's a, the, Things have, are on the slip at home and whatnot. And something like this can just make such a difference and, and bring the place. I, I experienced it 82 and 86 uh, with those World Cups and, and what it did for the place. And, you know, it's, it's terrible to say this in 2017, but the place is crying out needing this. Yeah, absolutely. Um you know, you had a situation in uh, 82 where I think, you know, it was, it was one of the darkest times of the whole troubles. And there was, uh, I think, the sectarian murder rate was running at about one every three days until the tournament started. And for the for the couple of weeks, the two or three weeks that, that Northern Ireland were in the tournament, there was one sectarian murder. Um, so it, it seemed to have this, um, well... You know, you could say coincidence, um, but it, it seemed to have this kind of uh, effect um, back home. Uh, and, you know, it, it would be a, a great thing um, for for the country uh, were Northern Ireland to make it um, because not much else um, there is, is looking too rosy at the moment. You know, there's been no government effectively for... For six or seven months now, uh, I can't see there being one in the next 12 months, to be honest. It goes as far as 20 years, never mind months. <laughs> and the longer that situation drags, look, we're, we're, we're nowhere near going back to to how things were, um, you know, 25 years ago, um, 35 years ago. Um, but the longer this situation 
drags on where where um, there is there is no power sharing um you know that has a, a sort of cumulative effect and and it you know it, it the, the wedge um grows ever ever wider again um and the the sort of bridges to to any sort of understanding um get longer um so something good needs to happen and and sometimes these things you know you look back through footballing history and these countries uh when these really bleak situations and then something something uh happens in, in a sort of cultural um realm you know in the in a sporting realm um and it has this galvanizing effect so you know you just hope beyond hope um that that could be the case well dave to, to sort of close out here i want to ask you both the, the same question like can we do it? Do you, do you think that, you know, obviously a lot depends on the next few games, but I don't know. I'm, I'm so optimistic about it. I, I just, I just want it to happen. I just want us there. As I say, it's something I never thought. I said earlier on, I never thought I would see again in my lifetime. And it's this close. I just, I just want it so bad. And I think we can do it. Um, I think there's, there's every confidence that we can do it. There's no reason why we can't do it. Um, we've proven game after game that we can perform and we can get results and we can deliver under pressure. So there's every confidence there that this could happen. Whether it does or not is is another question, but it is absolutely possible. You know, Norway don't look great. They look really poor, in fact. And... And no way will have absolutely nothing to play for. Nothing to play for. In fact, I think every Norwegian player called up to that squad will be dreading that phone call. And I wouldn't be surprised if some of their players are injured or have a little strain or something during that international break. A result against Germany, any type of result would, would secure it. If we can can go out and get a result against Norway, that could make all the difference to to who we draw in, in the in, in the playoffs. And you know, you might get lucky. You might just get lucky. And you might get someone who you've got a chance of of really putting under pressure and a team that don't have the quality to work you out. Um, because not many teams do. And there's every possibility we could be in that draw. Um, for the few mad bastards who are going to go to to Russia and support us. Well, are you saving your pennies as a final question? I am not. (laughs) You know me, Dave. You know me, Dave, but I'm not that nuts. No, I'm still paying off the Euros, so I don't Uh, think that... um, (laughs) You you weren't expecting a World Cup then, though. (laughs) No, I don't don't think think I'm going to get away with this one. Um, So, yeah... But I, I'm guilty. I'm guilty of actually looking at flights from Rio de Janeiro to Moscow in the last couple of weeks. I must admit. I must admit my guilt. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, listen. I'm 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 getting married next summer, so uh, there's no way I'm saving. <laughs> but for you, Ben, you know, like there's a real possibility here. Like a genuine, genuine, you know, optimism. Yeah, and uh, you know, I. I... <laughs> I, I just want it so badly that that I'm going to say we can do it, um, and I want to be getting orders for my book from like Syria or something. <laughs> so. Yeah, why not? Well, we download in Syria. We do. We, we download in all yeah. kinds of weird and wonderful places that you would never imagine <laughs> yeah. we download to. And I'm sure a lot of people around the world going, 
who the hell are Northern Ireland? Well, you know, you could be just about to find out, Ben. <laughs> well, yeah, and you had that situation in the Euros last year where um, UEFA had to make this little video for some of the other uh, fans from some of the other countries to to explain um, the difference between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland in 2016. Um which you would think was possible. Um, so, uh, you know, it would, uh, I don't know, it'd just be wonderful, wouldn't it? So just before we close the podcast out, um, as, as I mentioned earlier on, Ben has a new book out uh, in and around Northern Ireland football. And you'll be able to get, uh, we're going we're gonna to do a bit of a competition here in the next couple of weeks on WFI. So if you're not a regular listener, give us a follow uh, at World Football Eye on Twitter. And there'll be more details as to how to win a copy of the book um, in the next couple of weeks. How, how is it going for you, Ben, anyway, with, with the book? Uh, you know, it, obviously, you know, Northern Ireland, it, it's, not a, it's not a hot topic, but I, I believe that you've had a really good response to it. Yeah, I have. Uh, I was just checking the stats last night. Actually, I've had uh, an order um, from the Netherlands um, and a couple of orders, about two or three orders from the States um, and then a whole bunch of orders in uh, England, Scotland and Northern Ireland. So uh, the response so far has been really encouraging. Well, that's fantastic. Any, anybody getting the word out about the history of it? And I'll say, uh, you know, I, I would, I would urge people to buy it. It's, it's fascinating. Certainly, you know, at, at my age, I, I learned an awful lot from before my time. It, it's a really comprehensive look at it. But listen, just, just in closing, Ben, obviously you're going to plug it again now, uh, in your plugs. So, so please feel free and where we can find you on social media. Yeah. So, uh, social media, you can find me at. Benja Mark R, which is B-E-N-J-A Mark R on Twitter. Uh, you can find uh, all my sort of uh, writings and podcasts and all sorts of weird and wonderful stuff at polyfootmedia.com, uh, which is essentially my personal website, which is P-O-L-I footmedia.com. Um, and you can, uh, you can make an order for the paperback, uh, which is out in a few weeks there. Um, they arrived today, or you can download the ebook there. Uh, you can find the ebook on Amazon, Google Play as well. Well, as I say, go get go get uh, downloading it, and go, or go and get buying it. Make your make your mind up. You've got lots of options and, and different ways you can do that. Dave, yourself, I know you're not a big man for plugs, but where can we find you? Find me on Twitter, Dave. Yes, we know that, but whereabouts on Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> uh. Um, David Dunning 81 that's pretty much all I've got nothing to plug this week nothing at all other than everybody having a nice time and, and stop hating international football yeah well here I can't deny that normally for, for people who maybe don't know he normally uh, plugs Silat Bang and Garden Tools normally has his plugs so there, there you go it's something productive well as I say look it's been fantastic talking to you thank you so much for your time from a Northern Ireland point of view Bring the Germans on, bring the Norwegians on, and whoever will get in the uh, in the knockout phase, in the words of that gentleman that we spoke to at Windsor Park, we're going to knock on the fuck out. Oh, my eyes have seen the glory of a Spaniard 82, when little Northern Ireland showed the world what we could do. Now Michael is our leader and we're coming after you And that is why we sing We're not up to we're more than I
bar. Michael O'Neill's manager has really made his mark. Supporters wearing green and white are bound for La Belle France. All set to sing and